Jesus is alive. Friends, let's do this. I'm going to see how awake you are all day. We're going to join with Christians again, as I already said, around the globe. Whenever I say, he is risen, you respond. He is risen Okay, so if I say it sometime during the sermon, you say. He is risen Oh, yeah, that's a good thing. Okay, great. We have, we have gathered here this morning to proclaim that he's not dead. He's alive. In fact, he's risen. Oh, you're good. You're really good. This is great. You know, the message of this resurrection morning is as powerful as it comes. I cannot imagine a message stronger, more powerfully significant for this very moment in church and in the world history. Just imagine this. You watch the news. You see what's going on. We all are aware what happens around the world. And here comes the message that says evil will not have the last word. Life conquers death. This is powerful. We are here to proclaim that he has risen. He didn't come to die, as some people would say. It's okay. That's perfectly fine. We can't say it too much. He didn't come to die, as some people would have it. He came to conquer death. And that's what we celebrate. He is risen and we live. That was me messing up. This is great. You know, Sunday mornings always. We meet Sunday morning because this is the morning of the resurrection. That's why Christians do not Worship on Saturdays, they worship Sunday morning. And so every Sunday morning is a celebration that here's a church that is alive, the church for living people. And we're here because he has conquered death. I like it, you're on your toes. <laughs> Peter writes it this way in his letter, he even says, this fills us with so, such joy that it's unspeakable joy and we are filled with glory. Let me talk to you about it. And as I get ready, if you have your Bible, so it's not, it's also going to come on the screen in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We can talk about resurrection or Easter, if you will, in three dimensions. You can look back as we need have done and will do and should do all the time and rejoice in all the mighty stuff, all the mighty things God did. And you can be filled with joy on the inside, even to the point where it just has to come out that God revealed his power through Jesus Christ. Death has lost its victory 
looking back like that is what we do when we talk about the empty cross and the empty tomb. Another dimension of this message of resurrection is a message about the effect that this resurrection power of Jesus Christ has in the present. That's what happens when we talk about new life that Jesus brings, when we see people who were bowed down and they were best described, they may have been breathing, but their life was so closed in around and they were dying, and now new life has come their way. It is a message, and it's what we talk about when we talk about God participating in our everyday life, that it is possible because Jesus rose and is alive, it is possible to have daily relationship with Almighty God. The third dimension is about the future, in a sense. It is the ultimate, if you will, what ultimately become, will come to touch all of us in the end, if you will. When we speak about the resurrection of Christ, it also talks about him being the first fruit that we will come to be raised in a way that is somewhat similar to his. It speaks about the power that had become ours in some way. Now think about it. The stone is rolled away. Death has been killed. God has brought new life. And that will come to touch Every one of us, in the end, if you will. And in this way, the Easter becomes really personal. Unless Christ returns in your lifetime, I hate to say it, you will die. That's one of the most secure things we know in this world, that life as we know it will come to an end. So the question of what happens after death is ever present for all people. We may think that it is not so present. It is present like never before. I already referred to that. You cannot open the newspaper. You cannot turn on the news on TV. You cannot hear about anything without hearing about death and violence. If there was ever a time when we were wondering what is there about life and its end, what happens when we die, this is a time when that seems extraordinarily pertinent, is it not? And so people are asking this question everywhere. They have been forever, but it seems to have regained renewed power. I think I ran into that the first time in a strong way. You know that I grew up overseas, 
Been there my whole life until 1997. And I was in the school, of course, you know, going up there, what do you think that is becoming secularized? You know, that happened a long time ago. I was in seventh grade. I don't know that I knew a single one in this big school that I was attending that was a believer. Certainly didn't know anyone who went to church. And I have forgot the context, but we were in biology. And some way or another, a question came up about life after death. This is, you know, years ago, so I forgot the context. But I remember this exchange as vividly as if it was yesterday, and actually it's like 90 years ago. <laughs> the biology teacher said, Prabhupada, we live and then we die, and when we die, we die just like a cow. It's just done. It's over. There's no more. And so I asked, what's the point of living? And he said, and I remember this as crystal clear as anything, just enjoy it while it lasts. And of course, my little seventh grade somewhat fearful answer to my teacher was so enjoyment is all that there is to life no significant nothing lasts no reason no point just fun and I don't know whether he had thought about it before, but he looked stunned when I responded to that, and that ended the conversation, but it has never left my thought. See, all the way through human history, the question about resurrection has given kind of rise or cause for objection, ridicule, which I think was the point in the seventh grade class but also to serious questions, of course. So let us ask, can I ask that question this morning as we're gathered here? Yes, can I ask that question? What about resurrection? Why is this important? I think the clearest teaching we have on that in the New Testament is found in that text we're gonna read together this morning. And I hope when we're done that not only we're inspired to see the power of God and the significance thereof, but we have learned things straight out of God's holy word. The message remains always the same, that the all-powerful, almighty God is sufficient in his power to grant new life, even a life that is suited for eternity in his presence. Can we read together? Verse 35, someone may ask, this is Paul talking, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? You hear almost the ridicule in those questions. And Paul's response, foolishness, 
or how foolish, as this translation says it. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps a wheat or of something else. But God gives a body as he has determined, and to each kind of seed, he gives his own body. All flesh is not the same, but men have one kind of flesh, animals have another, birds another, and fish another. There are also heavenly bodies, and there are earthly bodies, but the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind, and the splendor of the earthly body is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, and the stars another. And the stars differ from stars in splendor. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised, how? Imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. I don't know that there's a more riveting text for how resurrection applies to the situation of every person alive. The question here, how are they raised, really kind of is another kind of question that is asking, what is the energy? What is the power that can cause life to come out of death? What supernatural power is it? And Paul gives the question, gives the answer simply by saying that he, God, will grant people a resurrected body that is suitable and fitting for life in God's presence. And I want you to see that when he says, how foolish or foolishness Maybe just as good a translation. What he's saying is not, I'm superior to you. I know what you should have known. It's not that. It's simply him saying, you know, you hadn't thought of us. Think what you see all around you. That should give you the answer. And he points to two things. If you have your text still, just look. He points to nature, look around you, and you will see two things. One is that there's always, everywhere, life is created out of death. And the other thing is that God creates a variation of life forms that is uniquely suited for the circumstance and the situation that is in. First, he's pointing to the world of plants, then to the world of flesh, if you will, or even animals, and then to the world of the planets. And he argues 
powerfully as he does from what is visible. And from that, he concludes what is invisible. I did not know, I do not know what you woke up thinking about this morning. What was on your mind? How does this relate to how I think about life both here and eternal? The significance of what I'm going through and what I live right now. But I want you to look here and see that there are so many things that we need to discover with this. And when Paul looks at the world of plants, he sees, notice this plant. Notice how what you sow is not coming to life unless it first dies. Out of the corruptible comes new life, resurrection. You put a seed in the ground, this seed will dissolve, and as it is dissolving and dying, out of that comes power for new life. That's his argument. And a new plant will bloom and grow. You know, the cynics of Corinth, or for that matter of the contemporary world, if you will, says because a body dies, there can be no resurrection. Christians will say, unless a body dies, there will be no resurrection. This is both a spiritual and a physical necessity. Our own Lord Jesus Christ, when he spoke to his disciples in John chapter 12 says, unless a wheat is put in the ground and dies, there will only be this one seed. But if it dies, it will carry or bear much fruit. Yes? Amazingly powerful. A physical necessity in a reproduction, if you will, here. Life comes out of death. And the Bible says that's a spiritual truth as well. I looked up some things. It's a wonderful thing, you know, what Google can do for you. The largest seed in the world is a special sort of a coconut. It's 12 inches, about a foot, big, large, round, and weighs up to 45 pounds. And when you take that seed and put it in the ground, it will dissolve and it will die. And as in, it's in this process, new power will come and it will shoot back up. New life. The smallest seed in the world is related to a special orchid plant. It takes 35 million seed for it to weigh one ounce. And the same exact process is with that. Now, in 1954, on the bottom of a frozen lake in Canada, they found, they say so at least, a seed of 10,000 years old, and they germinated it, and what happened? 
It died. And out of that death came new life and it began to grow. Since then, they found at Masada, at King Herod the Great's palace, they found an old date seed and they tried to germinate it and it worked and it's growing at 2000, about the time of Christ and it came back up and it's now been several years. They say in Russia, in Siberia, they found in the, in the tundra of, that had been deep frozen 38 yards below surface, they found seeds of a little blooming plant. They got it up. It was found in, in the stomach of a, of a squirrel that was down there, and they germinated, and the same thing happened. 32,000 years ago, according to National Geographics. What happened? When it died... That power of life was raised and it came and it bloomed and it brought new message of life from death. Let me see if I can argue like a Christian would argue from this. When we take for granted that this goes without saying a self-evident fact, if you will, that there is an almighty God. Do you then believe that God has greater care and concern for an acorn in an oak tree, for sunflower seed in a sunflower, for a, for a wheat kernel in a stalk of wheat, or for anything like that than he does for you? You who have been redeemed by the cross that we sang about of Jesus Christ. You who have been created in the very image of the living God himself. Do you think that God cares more for little seeds in the ground than he does for you? The one who has created heaven and earth. Do you think really? that he will bring life to acorns and little seeds. And he will also not do it for you. It's powerful stuff. Are you really signing up with those who says that all there is to human life is that when it's done, we're put down and we'll run away. Oh no, friends, this is resurrection. He's risen. He's risen the God who creates oak trees out of acorns and wheat stalks out of wheat kernels will bring back you, every believer with a new body, Suited to be with him in glory. And friend, not only is that true, what he's saying here as you go on with the text is simply that there will be connection out of disconnection, coherence, if you will, out of incoherence. 
you notice verse 37, just look back in the text, you will see that what you plant is not the same as what comes up. You don't put an oak tree down, you put an acorn down, and so on. The mighty power that is able to create life out of death is also the power that is able to transform what is perishable into something that is imperishable. The body that is raised is comparable and incomparable at the same time. There will be something that is the same and something that is different. May I say this? This is the Christian hope. This is the Christian hope in the time we live. This is the Christian hope. Because it was Easter morning that first time, everyone who believes will come to experience resurrection power in their own lives. And not just in their own life, in your own life. I'm actually talking about you and me. Just, not just about believers in general. God has the power even in your life to raise up what would otherwise just have been rottening, if you will use that illustration. He is risen. But then again, look back in the text. It doesn't even stop here. It continues to guarantee that God can and will create life out of death. It is true because God has the power to create bodies that in an amazing way are suited for the circumstance in which they are placed and where they function. Verse 39, look right here. Paul had just argued from the plant where now he's moving on. And he said, all flesh is not the same. Men have one kind of flesh, animals another, or he could have said livestock or cattle here, uh, another, birds another, fish another. Animals for the ground, birds for the air, fish for the water, if you will, suited for their circumstance. And Paul is using this very argument. He's saying, has God exhausted his power on this? No, not at all. God still has the power to create bodies that are suited for their circumstance. And because it became resurrection morning that first day, you will come to experience how God will raise you up with a body that is suited for his presence. Not the ailing, not the pain-filled, not the whatever body at the moment, but a resurrection body that will be just right for all eternity. Yes? This is for yours, friend. It's for you. This is the promise of 
resurrection morning. They are earthly bodies and they are heavenly bodies. And, and we shouldn't really kind of wonder about that. We know that. Anyone who has ever seen a National Geographic or, or just followed along with anything know that there are different kinds of bodies for different kinds of situations. You even see animals with long noses. They can find little kind of critters way into in small holes and you'll find others that can survive in almost uh, complete arid situations and others that can survive in extreme cold and so on and so forth. We all know that. And Paul is using this. As, this is how it works. God has the power to create life out of death and when he does you would see Chains and transformation suited for his presence. He has the power to raise you. Hallelujah. Some of you understand. Hey, hallelujah. Yeah. We'll do that when we join a different church. How's that? <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. Let me see if I can round this up. Because this is powerful, not just in terms of what happens at the end, the promise that that gives. We know that's what's going to happen. And that will reverberate back to how we live now. Our situation right here is changed by this. The great promise of the first day of resurrection is not only a promise of the last day when we all going to be raised, but it's a promise of the power that has enough power to raise people on the physical level, if you will, will also have power to change on the spiritual level. Some of you may need that right now. And if you don't, your neighbor might. And if you say you don't and you don't know anyone who does, you're probably lying. This is powerful stuff when you start thinking about it. Just like God is powerful to give us a new body that is suited for life and glory, he is also able with the resurrection power to touch our lives here so it will change and find new power right now. I'm concerned. Remember that first song that the choir sang? Were you there when they crucified the Lord? Too many people who proclaim Christ, they still get stuck on Friday. It started gloomy. If you notice what was happening here, kind of dark around the choir. And then that last verse came and lights came on in the back and they busted out. Were you there? When he rose from the dead. <laughs> yes, we were there. <laughs> that doesn't work, friends. Were you there? Amen. That's the kind of power we can see. We need it. You need it. I need it. 
power to reach down when we're spiritually dead, when all vitality seems to have been sucked out of our life and God will meet us and raise us up again and let us sparkle with a new sparkle, if you will, radiate with the presence of God in a new way. Yes, that will change your home, your neighborhood, your this area, this state, as I said, the whole of the world. Imagine millions and millions of Christians around, even the thousands upon thousands of Christians right here. If we heard that message, you think we'll have to be worried the same way about the future? I think not. Yes? We're sucked into a message of death rather than standing high and raising hands and praising the one who brings life out of death. There ain't nothing that can be kept down when he's around. Out of death comes life. What is sown in dishonor is raised in glory. What is sown in weakness is raised in power. What is sown perishable is raised imperishable. Suited for eternity. Will you allow him to release resurrection power in your life? Will you allow him to change your understanding even of what's coming so that that reverberates back. You know what will be there at the end. We just saw that. And now that will change. Everything even here. May we stand. Friends, some of you need to turn your life to Christ in a new way this morning. However you choose to do that. Some of you may need to meet him for the first time. This message of the resurrected Lord makes a difference today. Don't relegate it to some kind of faith realm. It changes your home and your workplace and your neighborhood. However you need to respond Either did you just give your life in a stronger way to the Lord, maybe for the first time. Maybe you didn't need to grab a friend or a spouse's hand and say, we need to pray. We'll be here also afterwards. Don't let it be resurrection. And then you just kind of wipe it off. God wants to bring life to you.